0: Well, I'm sitting on a bench. It's uh, early morning. I'm on the south bank of Arnhem. I'm looking at the bridge. Cyclists are hurtling past. Very few wearing helmets, it has to be said. Um, And sitting beside me on this bench is legendary historian Dan Snow. Morning, Dan. Hey, buddy. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Really um, nice to have you on the show. And... I mean, this is an amazing place, isn't it? I mean, this is my first time here. You, you're an old hand at Arnhem, but, I mean, look at that bridge. It's enormous.
1: It's one, of the, uh, it's one of the best. I think it's one of the best battlefields to come and visit. You get such a powerful... Don't, the Rhine is such an amazing river system. You get these kind of flat, open landscapes. You see why they're all terrified about those 88s to the south of us here. And then you have got... I, I've been lucky enough to dig up bits of the battlefield here and uh, go along with archaeologists and see some good stuff. But, I, yeah, Arnhem is one of my faves. So why why do you think it is that this
0: this battle, Market Garden and Arnhem particularly, has such a a place in our narrative of the Second World War? Why why is it so important to us?
1: Well, it's it's got everything, hasn't it? It's got hubris. Montgomery, the most one of the most cautious, uh, steady field marshals, generals, commanders in British history, made this uncharacteristic, desperate gamble, and it going pretty close to succeeding. It came pretty close to succeeding. John Frost did manage to capture, of 8,000 men dropped in this area to capture that bridge, about, you know, nearly 800 of them made it, and John Frost succeeded in holding it for a couple of days, facing some of the most daunting odds that any British soldiers faced during the Second World War. German armour and artillery smashing these houses. The reason all those houses opposite us are now pretty modern now, of course, is as you know, the original ones were systematically destroyed by the Germans both during the battle and afterwards. Um, and then I just think it's got this, so it's got this sort of this desperate, the, the desperate gamble, if you like, which actually D-Day wasn't, as you rightly so brilliantly point out in your book. D-Day was actually the application of overwhelming force uh, against an enemy that was much weaker. Whereas this is, this was a sort of, this was a a moment when it could have gone either way. And it was, it was close. Uh, what else is, why do people love it? I think people love, British people love plucky Failure,
0: don't they? They love the idea. of... I think they do. I think that's part of it, isn't it? And it's also the kind of you know the last stand and the perimeter, a little bit away to our um, to our, um, our our west. It's that kind of sort of last stand, isn't it? It's kind of Rourke's Drift. It's all that kind of stuff.
1: Definitely, and I think at this for this at this stage of the war, when after you know, the Churchillian expression, after Alamein, there were only victories. Well, this is the one that stands out. So it's kind of it's it's easy to celebrate or commemorate or mark a defeat as long as it snugly fits within a, a, a wide uh, vista of victories. Like, people are more interested in this than some of the disasters of the Fall of France campaign in 1940. Uh, and so, because this... this, ad, this I, you know, and do you it, think it's also because
0: it's the Red Devils, it's the Paratroopers, it's... Yeah, it's the Paras.
1: It's the Paras, and it's also para- a reminder that Paris. the German army still a fight left in it in 45 and I think if it had been D-Day... And it's the SS. And I've got the, uh, lots of the SS here and some Hitler Youth and some dodgy Dutch. And, and I feel almost guilty about talking about this in sort of dramatic narrative terms. But yeah, if you want to know why the battle means so much, I think if you'd marched from Normandy to Berlin without any opposition, it wouldn't have felt as, uh, as, as, as much as a, a desperate, exciting, um, could have gone either way story than it would do if you had Arnhem. You have Arnhem placed there in the middle as this hinge, a reminder that the German army still had loads of fight left in it and were still on their day, in their, in their, on their terrain, one of the most awesome fighting machines the world has ever seen. Yeah, and I think also it's that um, you know, it does get incredibly
0: close to actually being pulled off. I mean, that's the amazing thing about it. I mean, there's so many things that, that could go wrong and do go wrong. And yet they are within a stone's throw, a metaphoric stone's throw of well, they're actually, actually achieving almost it. Almost a literal and, stone's throw. And right? there is that, yeah, and there is that kind of feeling, isn't there, that of what might have been, I think, is also very tantalising.
1: Yeah, and people, you know, Anthony Beaver's recent book, he's actually scathing about the entire plan and, and, the, and the execution. But I think that you are dealing with, particularly the war in the East, the most unimaginable conflict the world's ever seen going on in the East. They need to shorten the war, quite rightly. Demanded of people involved to take risks, to gamble, like, to try and gamble. Let's get this thing done. And in fact, of course, as we see from the <laughs> his, his, extraordinary levels of intensity of fighting in early forty-five, both in the east and the west, the destruction uh, rained down upon occupied Europe by Allied air forces. The destruction of ancient heritage. It was it, forty-five was a terrible year in human history. It was mm. tr- millions of women raped, millions of men brutalized, killed, uh, wounded caught up in extraordinary fighting. So, so what happened here is, is I think, that the, the gamble that was taken here, I can't condemn those men who took that gamble. I, I struggle to say, well, they should have just you know, advanced cautiously or, you know, and, and take, you know, gone slower. The, 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 this, and, and we haven't, Of course, I haven't mentioned the, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jewish and other people that were killed in the Holocaust, of which would reach an intensity in the winter of 40, 44 45. So there was... A an imperative to end this war, and that was it. Was a gamble that was taken, and it, you know, it was so close. You know, when they got across the river at Nijmegen they, they John Frost captured this bridge. Like it's, it's desperate. And also, we all know from military history that you're either a damn fool or you're a genius. Alexander the Great crosses the Granicus River into Asia Minor. Some idiot Greek prince, he get almost gets his head chopped off the first day, and he would be, he, he would have died a, 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 a like a joke in history. A guy with a great dad like me never never lived up to the potential <laughs> of his father right but instead he he wins that battle he goes on to conquer the largest empire in the world has ever seen at that top point and everyone says he's you know divine again napoleon bonaparte lucky as you like we have all you know these history is riddled with people that take these desperate gambles they pay off and then they are sort of eulogized and deified
0: yeah, well I can't argue with that at all, and I, I'm i very much in your camp on this one. I think it was worth the punt. The circumstances, where they were at this stage of the war in, in the autumn of, 19, you know, late summer, early autumn of 1944, the fact that they had this first Allied Airborne Army, you know, they've got it there, lots of, you know, thousands of motivated, highly trained troops able to use their initiative, I mean, you know, you you, you might as well use them, it's, it's worth the punt, and I'm sure that had it pulled off, they would have gotten to Germany quicker.
1: So, so here's a question for you, Mr. War in the West. Yeah. What was a bigger gamble, Market Garden or Rundstedt's, Manstein's, Guderian's armored drive th- <laughs> through the um, through the wooded terrain of the Ardennes and out across France to the Channel?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that was a desperate gamble. But they they boxed themselves into a corner in 1940, where where 1939, 1940, where only a kind of a gambler 's throw of the dice would give them this, okay. th- a chance of of complete victory, otherwise you know it was going to get into a kind
1: of attritional stalemate which they wouldn 't win okay, so it was a gamble, but it was more justified, so perhaps it was the gamble here it didn 't need to happen because it didn't need to happen, but I think
0: I agree with you I think it was a, I think it was a punt worth taking, and the fact that it actually very nearly was pulled off, I think, his testimony that it was worth the gamble, personally. The other thing that strikes me, I mean, yesterday I was sort of wandering through Arnhem and um, and, and what a lovely town city it is. And so many flags put out with, you know, the airborne claret and blue of the, uh, with the um, Pegasus and all the rest of it. I mean, that's extraordinary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they love it. I mean, it's great, isn't it? And that's the one thing that's great about Normandy when you visit there for the anniversaries. You know, my friends call me Daniversary Snow. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I pay the mortgage <laughs> by attending university <laughs> That's why I'm just chilling on the riverbank here. That's why you stumbled across me. I'm, but no, but, wherever I mean, anniversary. but it is different Fair from Normandy. Maybe. You, you yeah.
0: get lots of, you know, American flags and British flags and particularly French flags and so on. But you don't get, you know, a specific unit flag. Like oh, I see you mean. Yeah, no, no, forces, no, they love it, man. You know, these it. flags all over. It's just sort of, you know, what's all that about? It's sort of... You know, it's, it's, it's solidarity, isn't it? It's commemoration, no, it's but it's cool. extraordinary how the whole town seems to be kind of uh, and wrapped up in this moment in history that befell it. Lots of things
1: called Airborne Plaza, and it's just wicked. I love it. It's great. I mean, it's... Well, I, I, th- I can't think of a single place in the world that, that does this in this way. Yeah, you don't... see at Waterloo, you don't see... Uh, you don't see <laughs> monument <laughs> like <laughs> the Guardsman's Cafe very, very much. No, I, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I think it's just these... I think heritage I, and memory is really interesting I think, isn't and I it? think the local people that, after all that was briefly albeit briefly but it was liberation to them wasn't it and when they saw those men in those Berets marching through the streets they thought tragically that this was the beginning of the end of their of their of the darkest one of the darkest times in recent history for Holland so I guess and, and I guess they want and it, what's so weird is that they all want they all want the Brits to know that they don't, they don't they're not Angry, they not they don't regret what happened. They, they, first, these guys are happy that we, that the British, gave uh, it a good risked, shot, risked uh, through the dice and tried to liberate their grandparents and, and their parents and their great grandparents from the Nazi tyranny. And, they, and they're grateful for that.
0: And you know, the, the football team here, it's quite a big football team, uh, right in the top flight of the Dutch leagues. And every year on the anniversary Saturday, um, they wear. Claret and blue kit, <laughs> and they have names of people who fell in the battle really? on their backs rather than their own real names. Wow. I mean, that's
1: amazing, isn't it? That is cool. That's Absolutely I extraordinary.
0: Know so, Dan, um, when you were doing your archaeological
1: digs here, I mean, what what sort of stuff were you finding? We are in the garden of the White House, the famous hotel, I can never pronounce it. Dr- Hartenstein. Dr- 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 oh, no, it's the... Dr- oh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so we're in that the one. garden, that one, and uh, we found, I mean, just, li- like, I mean, it was the easiest... <laughs> metal detecting I have ever done in my life. We just, the guy was like, beep, beep. And he just cr- <laughs> put uh, one millimeter of soil, brush it aside with with fingertip, and there's just like a giant amount of rounds spent rounds live rounds a lot of a lot of mortar, a lot of mortar caps yep um and just and and just endless and in belts of machine gun so i mean it was like that was for tv it was the most successful shoot i've ever gone on we were just we we're having a beer in the garden and just brushing aside the soil with our feet by the end of the day How so amazing. it is it is it is skin deep here the the impact of this battle the intensity of what went on here also i mean you you've obviously
0: met a few veterans who fought here i mean one of the things i'm feeling very conscious of at the moment is that that generation He's slipping away super fast. Yeah. And it's, getting, it's going to be traumatic because before you know it, there's going to be no one left at all who actually fought in the Second World War. But are there any veterans that you've met who really stand out? Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to John Waddy, who was
1: extraordinary. John Waddy's a bit of a legend. He, isn't he was he? a complete legend, yeah. He just talks about how his family have been soldiers since Cromwell's time. Yeah, and nothing else, there's just nothing else to do. And, and you'd try and ask him a question saying, Were well, you scared? He'd, he'd look at you like you'd gone totally mental. He's like, he just kept going. Well, my family have been soldiers since Cromwell's time, so, you know, you're in, the, you're in some mega firefight. You're like, oh, well, you know, this is what the Waddies do. And so I'm very struck by him. And then, and then Victor Gregg, obviously a bit of a ledge. He was captured yes. here and sent off to Dresden, and he talks about it fluently. And I know he was on the perimeter at Oosterbeek and never made it back across the Rhine. So uh, I've met, yeah, I've met, I've met several. I've been yeah... I've, I've been lucky enough to meet quite a lot of those veterans as you say uh, but, and what's great is that this wonderful website wargen.org is open source, they're recording all of these amazing veterans and, and now you know, you've know you supported them ama- and and they're on there for anyone to see and use and uh, amazing how many of those veterans are dead already I know. and it's that thing like everyone was like oh you should have done this five years ago, yeah dude we should have done it five years ago but we didn't so we're doing it now and, uh, <laughs> and it's an amazing resource It is an amazing resource actually I, I, I mean, all, Shane
0: Greer I've got to say a is a total Total legend. I can't. You know the time and effort he's put into it. I mean, you know, he should be. He should be knighted. Some award. Yeah, should be knighted.
1: Exactly. Well, Dan, you're going to be jumping later on today. I'm jumping. I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed. I'm doing a tandem jump. But um, it, but uh, yes, it would be good. So I'm going to be strapped to some poor little paratrooper. I'm six foot six, so he's going to. I'm going to. It's going to look absurd. <laughs> but the Dutch are massive, actually. So I might get some strapping lad, and then we'll hop out the plane together, and then we'll land at Nijmegen. Oh, really? Um, So you're going to, and you
0: are, are you landing on the uh, original drop zones? Do you know? I don't
1: know because you're the expert at that, buddy, but I imagine, I mean, I mean, was it, no, but there wasn't a landing north of Ninebegin, was there? Not north of Ninebegin. No, there wasn't, yeah, so actually we're not. There should have been. Well, correct, buddy. That's the problem.
0: (laughs) But there was. It's carpeted.
1: There should have been landing right where we're sitting, as a matter of fact. Yeah, right? We are sitting in a lovely open field. Yeah,
0: you couldn't do it here, though. You couldn't do it here. I mean, you know. Too much water, too close to Dylan. Too much flack
1: Just drop, dude. I watched that first Star Wars film. You got to drop. If you if you need, air, if, basically you need to drop your airborne troops on top of the target that you wish to take. Come on, man. I, you, you, I read that in your book, 1940, the big Dutch forts. Sort it <laughs> Just out. Just land on the top. Land on the bridge. Water. I mean, honestly,
0: we're British. Yeah. Just float down. Exactly. Land on the ramp of the bridge. I mean, yeah. how hard can it be? Well, uh, from Pegasus Bridge, the learnings from Pegasus Bridge, not that hard. <laughs> put well, it down on the bridge. Yes. Land with some gliders here yeah. and capture the southern uh, the uh, southern bit. Well, That's where, where do they put point. the poles later in the battle? They put the, they just, uh, a little bit further down, yeah. Yeah, on the, yeah exactly. Yeah, there's no flak. Flak would be neutralised by then. Flack? Don't talk to me about flak. I mean, honestly. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Uh, Dan, brilliant to have you um, on the show and thank you very much and have a lovely time this afternoon. Cheers, buddy.